Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world, hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, Mike, former driver at several different levels and current businessman. He began his racing career in 1993 in the go-kart ranks. In 1997, made the move to USAC's Formula 2000 series. In 1999, won two races in the SCCA series. The next year made his stock car racing debut in the ASA. He has raced in ARCA, Bush, Cup, Trucks. 2004, 5, and 6, he ran in the IndyCar series, competing in three Indianapolis 500s. As a businessman, he is the president of A.J. Foyt Enterprises and the son of the company's namesake. A.J. is the winningest driver in IndyCar history with 67 victories and the first four-time winner of the Indianapolis 500. A.J. loves to win, and that's the goal at A.J. Foyt Enterprises. That's a quote 
from today's guest. He's also a TCU grad, which makes him a horned frog. Welcome to the show, Larry Foyd. Larry, say hi to Mike Wallace. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Tell me a horned frog. What horned is that? Horned frog. Well, uh, they were in uh, college football's national championship. Sorry about that, Larry. You were probably excited about that game till it started. <laughs> probably one of the more more expensive game tickets I've ever purchased. So I stayed all the way through. Uh, it was a long ride home, but what a season! We got. I'm, I'm hoping that horn frog magic. We can turn that over to AJ Foyt Racing this year. Yeah, hopefully. And listen, they've got a pretty good basketball team too. I just watched them last night. They almost pulled one off against Kansas. I'm telling you, it, it's been great. A lot of fun for TCU sports. I love. I love going and catching a couple games every year when I can. And this year was really special with what Sunny Dykes did and the whole football squad. I tell you. Watching Max Duggan, I mean that guy plays with all heart, and that's that's definitely inspiring. So it's it's gotten me, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what a, what a year. And like I said, I hope it was uh, it was a great season for them, but they they kind of ran into a buzzsaw against my Georgia Bulldogs. So Your Georgia Bulldogs, <laughs> <laughs> and those those were uh, Larry's. What was that? Horn dogs. <laughs> Horn dogs. What did you say? Horned frogs. Horned frogs. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, but when those bull, when those Georgia Bulldogs walked out on that field it was like oh boy this is the this is a different level here these guys are huge did so, they just so. they, they did they just looked like they had that presence they were there they outmanned them there's no doubt about it but that you know that's what you get yeah. when you play in the sec back-to-back natties for georgia we'll move on that's okay larry yeah you know tcu though i was i it's really weird i'd never really heard much about the college and a good friend of mine his daughter is going to school there now is that right and then i find out larry foyt has went there so i mean it's a pretty popular place absolutely yeah one of the bigger and and i'll tell you uh before we close the loop on on that game so after the game you know it was raining out there at sofi stadium of trying to find our our ride home we had a a bus and so finally i get to this bus and i climb on there just soaking wet and it is all georgia bulldogs and what I will say though is, is they were very, very nice. They definitely felt bad for us, but they were very nice and very complimentary of us getting to that game. But uh, see, that's so, what yeah, you get. They're, that's they're, what you get with Georgia fans. It's not like Dallas Cowboys fans or Philadelphia Eagles fans. Hell, Philly fans threw snowballs at Santa Claus one year. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Larry was going to tell us he got on the as he got on the bus he took his TCU hat off and put his AJ Foyt racing hat on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and everybody loved him on there. Always so. marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Larry, you know we're going to go back into time uh, about your career, and I, I need all the race fans out there in the world are, are listening, and they think they knew know who Larry Foyt is, but most of them really don't. They don't know the backstory. We come to find out. So we let you tell the story. We'll ask a few questions, but take me back to when the first time you ever remember being involved in motorsports. Of course, you've been brought up around it, but what what was your first passion for it, love for it, interest in it, whatever it might be? You know, it's interesting, Mike. I mean, yeah, growing up, you'd think that uh, I was just exposed to it all the time, and, and obviously I was a little bit, but I think all the kids in, in our family, I mean, obviously none of the older children really got that, that much into auto racing. And I think it's just, AJ really did kind of keep us out of it, I'd say. I mean, he just, it wasn't like the Andretti's or some of these families where they're putting you in go-karts at a young age. I mean, 
I was growing up and just in high school, played the normal stick and ball sports, you know, played basketball, baseball, all that stuff. And as I started to get older, though, I'll tell you, one thing always stuck out and what was the most amazing experience was I did go to the Indy 500 every year and I would wait for dad to wake up. Uh, you know, we, back then you had the Speedway Motel right there on the grounds of the Speedway. And uh, I always wanted I loved to go over to the track with him that morning because it was just so cool. The people were just waiting for him to to head over to the track and all the people yelling, give him hell, AJ, and go get him today. I mean, as a, as a little kid, it's pretty special. And we've had our same box there in turn two at Indianapolis for, for my whole life. So I just grew up there. And, you know, back then, AJ drove in those red golf gloves. He didn't, he didn't like racing gloves. He always thought they were too thick. And he, so he raced in golf gloves. They wouldn't let you get away with that now. But I didn't uh, know that. That's pretty cool. Brought his golf game to the steering wheel. Exactly. Now he just liked. He just felt like he could feel the car better, and uh, with those thin golf gloves. And always remember him waving to us up in turn two. And and that's what really kind of put the bug for me of uh, wanting to wanting to be into racing. As I and as I got older, I just started thinking, you know, why can't I give this a try? And, and I went to him and he was like, you know, not just no, but hell no, basically. And I was like, yeah. okay. So, so then I went to mom. I said, mom, what do I, you know, what do I got to do here? And she said, well, I'll just try to show him, you know, show him how much you want it. So I really quit all my other sports. And uh, Jack Starn is still with us now. Gosh, he's been with us coming up on almost 60 years. Uh, and, you know, he was AJ's crew chief back in the day. And I went to Jack. I said, what do I do, Jack? He said, why don't you come here after school and work? And so I went over there, and Jack gave me the the great uh, title of, of head janitor and custodial engineer over at Street <laughs> Racing. Custodial so engineer. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just started going over after school and cleaning the shop. And then finally – Mom uh, kicked me a little money, and I'm sure it came from Dad, too, to get a go-kart. And I started going on and working on it after school and started racing. So when you when you got that go-kart, and I'm sure AJ, and I we're going to refer to him as AJ because that's what the whole world refers to him as. Mm-hmm. When AJ realized you got a go-kart, I mean, was he in the, the know of you were going to buy it, or did it just happen to show up one day, or did Jack help you get it, or how did you come about getting it? Yeah, no, I'm sure he was in the know. I remember back then it was Emic carts were the were the big ones. Um, oh, yeah. And there was a track. Yeah, there was a track here in Katy, Texas. So uh, a friend of mine, he talked his parents into getting him one, and we both got a go kart. And you know, some of the guys from the shop helped me build it because you know I was new to new to a lot of the mechanic stuff. So we we built it and went out there. And then I remember my second race. Uh, I, I'm running. Uh, I'm running in, let's say I'm running a second. I remember the guy in front of me blew. I'm sorry. I, I'd taken the lead and then, uh, I, I went off and I spun, I got back going, but I was second and I thought, Oh man, I was going to, you know, I had a chance to win. And I remember hitting the steering wheel and then he blew an engine and I won the race. Well, long story short, I'm in the little victory lane there and I'm so excited. And someone says, you know, AJ's here. And I said, what? <laughs> and, uh, just about then he kind of comes into Victor's circle and he starts chewing me up and down. Don't you ever, you know, get that emotional and hit the steering wheel. You stay focused at it. 
And I thought, oh boy, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be a long road. <laughs> I got to think about this. But uh, that was, yeah, my first first win and first experience of uh, getting a little butt chewing at the racetrack. So what uh, what age were you when that happened? I was in high school. So, okay, so um, you were that's something. Yeah, a young man, super late point. start. Yeah, yeah, no, I was, you know, that was um, a really late start, but that's when it started to kind of take off. Uh, you know, AJ had said, Hey, I see, you know, you do want to do this, but I want you to go to college. And, you know, I said, I never got to go to college. You need that to fall back on. And so, so I did, I went to TCU, but I was still, um, racing, racing go karts while I was at TCU and started getting some of my first sponsors. And that's when we got the formula 2000 there as I was getting older. And really I, you know, obviously I wanted to be in Indy cars, but that's around the time the split had happened and all of that was going on with IndyCar and car. No one knew what was happening. And, uh, as you know, Mike, AJ just started the, the NASCAR operation. And uh, that's, that's when he said, look, if you ought to look at going to, going to North Carolina. So that's why when I graduated, moved on to North Carolina and started racing ASA stock cars. So backing you up just a little bit to when you were those young, the younger days of, just following dad to the racetrack, leaving the Speedway Motel. Did you realize, other than his dad, who AJ Foyt was to the race world, to to his passion fans? Did you did you realize how big and how great he was? So I remember, you know, being young, I was always very proud of. Even though I didn't fully understand them, I remember taking trophies to show and tell or stuff like that. I remember. You know, I talked about him a lot. It was always, you know, the kids love the cool stuff that I could bring and all that. But what I would say is I didn't understand the gravity of his accomplishments until you start doing it yourself. So you don't realize, hey, this isn't normal. Everybody just doesn't go out and win these races and and accomplish everything this guy's accomplished. That's when it really sunk in of just how incredible his records are. It just that that's what was eye opening for me. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It's kind of hard to win those races. But it is cool mm. to be able to take an Indy 500 trophy to show and tell. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, very cool. Yeah, I, I just I can't imagine it because it's, you know, th there's people that are what I call famous. There's people that are world famous. Right. They're, uh, the one way you can judge a, a race car driver how famous they are is how many songs have their name in it. Right. <laughs> That's my own redneck way of doing it. So, That's cool. And, 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 so uh, how many songs is AJ? Well, in? I seen the one the other day showed 11, you know. No kid. Yeah. And so uh, in the IndyCar world, you, you've you got um, AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti, and they all right. have songs after them. The song know? that came to my mind was Family Tradition. Yeah. Just you know what I mean? mean? Yeah. Right? But uh, so, Larry, as you, you won the go-karts, you graduated from TCU, and uh, you're in Texas at that time, right? I mean, that's where you were raised at. Yeah, so uh, still in Texas, but uh, pretty much right after I graduated, I moved to North Carolina, so okay. moved to Mooresville. And that's when um, uh, my dad helped me get an ASA stock car, and we hired good old Butch Miller. I know a lot of fans out there remember Butch Miller. Um, and Butch was my team manager, and we, we started running the ASA series, and it was just crazy for me because uh, I really hadn't done much short track racing really at all. Um, it was baptism by fire. I mean, I'm racing against Mike, Eddie, oh and, my gosh. That's, uh, that's serious stuff and Mike. Mil 
oh man, uh, Gary Saint Amant, uh, you know, just awesome, awesome drivers. It, it was so so much fun, but uh, it was it was a super series. But I was go, you know, I had never seen a Hickory Motor Speedway in places like this, and just the, the whole driving a stock car was just a new thing for me. But learning from Butch was so great. I had a great crew, crew chief named Joe Shear who's, you know, had a long career in motorsport. So it, it was really fun times. And, and Butch told me in the, you know, one day we were driving to the racetrack, he said, you know, enjoy this. Cause this is probably some of the most fun you're going to have in your whole career. And he was really right. The, the ASA series was so much fun back then. Well, Larry, did you know that we had Joe Balish on here a couple of weeks ago and Joe is a, uh, the ASA series is back. They've, uh, uh, yes, uh, I, I see Joe every now and then at, at things that, yeah, great to see him still around. And ASA was so much fun. I mean, gosh, and winning the pole at Winchester is something that'll always be. I think I broke Mark Martin's track record there. That That's something that always for me. It was so funny. I was, I was so excited to call AJ. I call AJ and tell him I got, got the pole. <laughs> he goes, well, What happened to the throttle stick? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, big enthusiasm that was. <laughs> I appreciate it, Dan. <laughs> he, uh, well, that's that's exciting. I'm trying to think of how I would respond to that. You know, it's like I'm calling because I'm so excited. And what happened? The throttle stick? <laughs> yeah, but I drove through so it. I drove the wheels off of it, man. <laughs> no, he was always he was very proud. He always was proud. And what he would always say, like as I was growing up, he was he always said, "Listen," he said, "I've." I've won about every race you can win. And he said, I've also hit that damn wall about as hard as you can hit it. And I've hurt myself about as bad as you can hurt yourself to live through it. So don't, he just always would say, go out and do what you can do. Don't try to impress me. Don't try to just go do what you can do. He was always really good like that. All right, we're up to the ASA series. We'll take a break here. Come back and talk more with Larry Foyt. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today's guest, Larry Foyt, joins us on the line. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Larry, I just have to bring back up a, a moment in our conversation from the first segment there. Do I understand it clearly that you just went from go-kart racing to probably the hardest, toughest short track program ever, the ASA series? Is, did I miss something in between there or not? <laughs> no, you're, you're right on it, Mike. It, it, it was tough. But, uh, like I say, it was tough. I, I really hadn't driven – I'd never driven a stock car. I'd never done any uh, short track racing, really. So, I mean, you were just racing against legends and, um, and guys that were coming up. Uh, as well that had, you know, Scott Wimmer and, and guys like that that were super, you know, really good and grew up in the short track. So it was it was tough. I'm not going to lie. But it, the series was good. We had that was the first year of the uh, the Vortec crate motor. So you felt pretty good that you had the same power as everybody, which was nice. And and you could definitely be competitive. Gotcha. So did uh, AJ come to any of those races or many of those races? He came to some. He used to watch them back then. I think they were on TNT, and um, he definitely watched some. And, um, yeah, I mean, just remember, I just remember I had so much fun learning from Butch Miller. I mean, I just can't say enough how great he was for for just, just racing with him. And, and, I mean, God, but, it, you know, Mike, it just went even quicker than that because I did one year of ASA, and we went straight to the Bush Series. But that's how uh, – that was the next just huge step uh, – 
I was going to say was, things happened for you relatively quickly. ASA, and then all the next thing you know, you're in you're in Bush and Cup and trucks. And, I mean, it, it's you, your career is like a projectile missile rocket ship. <laughs> right? so, so you went go kart racing, went ASA racing. Now you've went Bush racing at that point. Tell us about that. How that come about? Yeah, I think uh, Harris Casino. I was really excited about one more year in ASA because. Uh, there toward the end of the year i was actually really getting the hang of it um had had some top tens and i think finished fourth at gateway there late in the year i was like oh this is you know we can be a contender next year and uh about that time uh they told me harris uh, harris casinos was my sponsor there in asa and harris wanted to go uh start moving up the ranks i was like oh my gosh i've been been doing this for one year hey let and, me ask uh, you but, something yeah. let me interrupt you here a second what was it i mean you got to understand, I grew up in the shadows of my brother, Rusty Wallace, who was a champion. And in St. Louis, my father, Russ Wallace, was a champion. So you're always being judged by, you know, whether you're uh, your dad or, or your sibling. How What was it like when you were ASA racing? Did you get positive feeds from everybody because A.J. Foyt was your dad or were they resentful of that? I'll tell you the majority of it was positive. I think, um, it, you know, it, once you get out there and ASA was still a place where, yeah, you had a lot of these veterans, but you also had young guys learning and you just had, uh, so you had that mixed, you know, that mixed bag. Um, I'm sure there were some people, I mean, look, I, you know, really I felt more of that in the go-karts coming up. You, you certainly had a target on your back. You know, they think, oh, he's just everything's probably given to him. He's going to have the best of the best. But you, you just, you know, I had to. Kenny Brack was driving when I when I went to ASA, and I was really going to, you know, first year of being a professional driver, I guess. And I remember talking to Kenny Brack because I had spotted for him when he won the Indy 500 for us, and we were good friends. And I really looked up to him as a mentor. And he just said, "Look, from now on, you stop reading the publications. You don't worry what people think. You just go worry about yourself and being the best race car driver you can be." And um, so I tried to do that and tried to tune the stuff out, but but it was hard. But the, I tell you, most people on ASA, the series was very welcoming. They they loved having us there, and um, and and the majority of the drivers are great too. I, I can't complain about it. Everybody was pretty good. Outstanding. So you got the opportunity. Harris decided, hey, Larry, we're going to, or AJ and Larry, we're going to move you guys up. We want to go Bush Series racing. How, what, what transpired in that short period of time? Boy, I mean, I just, I remember I was, I was pretty nervous. It was a big step. I mean, at that time, you still had, you know, a lot of the big guys were doing double duty. And gosh, who were the rookies that year? I'm thinking, I don't know if Harvick was in his second year or was he a rookie? I think Biffle was just, I mean, talking about just uh, amazing drivers and i was still just kind of drinking from the fire hose i was just trying to learn you know now i'm going to big tracks going to uh you know mile and a half really for the first time and it was just uh it, it was a lot but um and, and i struggled at first a little bit and then um but still it was it was good it wasn't all bad but it, it was a lot to learn in a, in a quick short amount of time Oh, I have to believe that. That's I'm sitting here thinking about how, you know, I think of all the years that I, uh, you know, I ran a street stock car and then I ran a late model car and, you know, ventured into a few ARCA races and then uh, got an opportunity. And I'm thinking, bam, 
you did all this in a year and a half, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> so, like you say, well, drinking from the fire hose. So, it's, oh hell, what have I got myself into? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 really. I tell you what, and Larry, you can. Um, I'm kind of. I guess I'm making a comment and a question at the same time here. You know, there's a lot of pressure put on you when you get to that level. No matter if you're following a, a family tradition or you're just trying to make it, you're trying to perform every week. It's not like you ever really are relaxed and you're never comfortable. It's like, I got to go out and qualify. I got to finish well. And uh, it's a lot of pressure, Jeff, especially if you don't have yeah, a lot of experience. Represent your sponsor and all that stuff, yeah. too, you know? So, yeah, so, I think in that, you know, saying not having the experience, what I didn't have also was the confidence, I think, in what, you know, and in, in knowing I'm doing this right and I'm and I'm doing the right things. And I didn't I didn't really have that Butch Miller that I had in ASA over on on the Bush side. You know, I didn't really have that mentor. And, and AJ was there sometimes, but he was over, you know, the IndyCar team was still running multiple cars and doing well. And he was very busy with that. So I just didn't really have that person to lean on and ask those questions to. And and what you saw was, you know, the guys, like I, I always liked what Penske did with Ryan Newman and what they were doing guys, take them to the Arca, Arca series, let them win some races. You know, they're in good stuff, get that confidence up and then bring them over. And I just didn't have that. I really, I think, lacked that self-confidence just because it, it was it was tough. And I was racing against some really good teams and drivers. Yeah. So in that our, in those Bush Series days, we get confused whether we're talking to Bush Series, Nationwide, or Xfinity. Right. All the same series. Yeah. But uh, who, who was your crew chief at that time? Who was helping you make that transition? Or who was surrounding you, I should say? I know you said you didn't have the Butch Miller, which – you know, I was uh, I was telling some people a while back. I said, you know, racing is a really strange business, Jeff. Is that we don't have coaches. They're starting to now. There's more and more, but you know, like all the stick and ball sports, they got coaches for everything. Right. Become coaches a race car driver, you're just all in yourself. Uh, and, what What about the crew chief? Yeah. Crew chief, it depends which one you get. He might be a little egotistical, and he, he's had a little success, and he's expecting you to have it, but doesn't want to teach you how to have that success. Gotcha. What about you, Larry? I yeah, mean, did you well, did you experience something like that? As and who was running your program at that time? If you don't mind me asking. So John Wolf was the crew chief, and and John was great to work with. I really liked Wolfie. I mean, he, um, you know, and he he definitely had some good experience. So so he was able to help. But um, we were kind of our, you know, we were like our own little team. I mean, we were a one-car team, and really, I was the general manager, to, to be honest. I mean, I was kind of running the, the business side of it, uh, and in there on that side, so uh, or helping with with the guy. We had the two different shops at that time in Mooresville. We had the Bush shop that was across the street, and then um, then the Cup shop was was just around the, about a block away. So. It was uh, it was a lot, you know, just trying to learn it all. But Wolfie was great, and um, you know, just every track was new for me, basically, and learning learning how to how to make things go. But um, good good people, great team. But like I said, we just man, you realize at that, you know, it still is nationwide series, whatever. It's Xfinity, it's big big time racing. Sure, sure. So as that year progressed, that first year, where as you got to the end of that year. Uh, what was the plan after that? Was there a continued Xfinity Series racing? Take back. You're, you're trying to run the business, which 
shocks me because you were running the business and driving, which is very, very hard. I mean, driving is hard enough. Right. But trying to be involved in any of the management side of it at that point is difficult. We trying not to wreck your car. Well, we, you know, we've <laughs> seen the day. Pay for it. Jeff, we've seen the day that they, uh, you know, there was a lot of, not a lot, a few cup guys back in the day thought they needed to be an owner. Yeah. You know, and they found out. Well, Alan Kowicki was probably the first, wasn't he? Well, he was probably the most successful, but you had people like Daryl Walter decide he wanted to be an owner. Ricky right. Rudd wanted to be an owner. Yeah. And no disrespect, they won a race or so, but they failed. Right. It was just too much pressure on them. And uh, especially in Larry's condition where he's in a situation where he's just coming into the sport. Doesn't even get to, you know, have, have that sport. So at the end of that year, Larry, wh where do you go? What does the team do? What, does it continue on? You keep bush racing or? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, so what what we do there? Let um, me back up for a second. Let, let's go back to the final race of your first year of Bush Series racing. You run the race wherever you finished, you finished, and when you get back home on Monday, is there a sit down conversation going? What do we need to do, or was it we're just we're, we're well, if the sit-down conversation is with the general manager, he's talking to himself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you know, he's, yeah, but there, there's still one more guy that's a bigger manager, and he's got just two initials to his name. So. Yeah. And then you got your crew chief, and uh, I don't know. I, I've watched it from a distance. Uh, how, how did you guys progress on then at that point? Well, we were still, I mean, we were still progressing along. So, we, you know, and I got two years, and, you know, I did a second year in the Bush Series. But things were getting a little bit, you know, I'm trying to think of timing. So, well, you remember, you drove the Conseco car. Um, yes, sir. Conseco Finance was our sponsor on the on the Winston Cup side. But um, they ran into some financial issue, and they, they closed down. So I remember my dad calling me and saying, you know, he's like, look, why don't we uh, – he said, I've, I've talked to Harris. We're going to go cup racing. And I was just like, well, I hope they're stepping the budget way up. You know, and he's like, no, 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 they're going to give us this. And I was like, oh, my gosh, dad, we can't, you know, we can't go cup racing on that. It's going to, it's not going to go well. And I really thought, you know, I thought hard. I was like, I, I don't want to do this. This is going to be really bad. Uh, but at the end of the day, I always, I've always felt like AJ provided me a chance to do everything I wanted to do to chase my racing dreams, live, you know, live, live that out. And I knew if I told him, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, it was going to be so bad for our relationship. And I just didn't want that. And I, I've always tried to do what he's asked of me. And, and, you know, so I knew, I think we had 4 million bucks, Mike, to go cup racing with. And you can, I think mm. people know that those budgets that that makes it a tough go oh as a race fan i gotta be honest with you <clears throat> four million dollars sounds like a lot of money so you're telling me what do you need twice that then well, go, yeah, I think, well we'll back it up in today's world today's world you know we're in right. the 20 million dollar range for the top teams gotcha you make it back what would that have been larry 2004 2003 we're talking <clears throat> that, i think you were you were still between 10 and 20 right what I, I mean yes I, that's what i'm saying it's wow it was way way under budget because you know just motor programs and so forth right that they just cost that stuff costs a lot of money Jeff. apparently yeah Mike. apparently it, it, four million dollars is a lot of money well, it, to a guy yeah, like me you, you know what <laughs>
it's uh, it's the greatest. Uh, let me tell you the great. I'm taking away from you, Larry, just for a second. Deal with me on this. 1990, I win the NASCAR Winston Racing Series Championship back in Missouri. I tell a gentleman who's helping us. It's a car owner and a gentleman sitting in the back of the truck. And we're going to Bolivar to race. And I says, man, I think I, uh, I says, I'd really like to go Bush Grand National Racing next year. I says, it's not really a lot of money, but it is. I says, I, I need $325,000 yeah. for a sponsor. And he, I remember him coming out of the back seat going, what do you mean it's not a lot of money? I could retire <laughs> off that. I says, there's no way possible you could retire <laughs> off of that. He goes, I work at Consumer's Grocery Store. I make $28,000 a year. At that time, interest rates were high. He says, I can get 325000 I get 10% of my money. That's thirty two five. I not only quit, I get a raise. <laughs> and it put it in perspective to me when you're talking racing money compared to normal life money. It, right. the, the numbers don't seem re relevant when you're talking $4 million or $6 or million. Any or any sports franchise, right? Professional sports, football, baseball, whatever. I mean, it takes a lot of money to run those organizations those teams and the owners have a ton of money right and they're making a ton of money yeah so we're getting back to larry and he and you only got four million dollars larry and, and, hey, and hold AJ on to that four million bucks we'll to speaking of four million bucks we gotta we gotta pay the bills right here right? okay we'll take a time out we're talking to larry foyt you're listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and nascar digital media Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. On the line, he is the president of A.J. Foyt Enterprises. Larry Foyt joins us once again. Here's Mike Wallace. Well, Larry, we got to uh, we're at a point where Harris is deciding uh, after the second year that they want to go cup racing. A.J. calls you, tells you it's think you need to go. You're you're questioning that, but what takes place? After you, you, you know, you're going to agree to, to proceed in the way he wants to proceed. Yeah, I think once you make that decision that hey, we're going to do this, you just got to, you know, you're going to give it 110 percent and do the best you can. So we, uh, we, we got going. Um, went to Daytona. I think my first year, um, and we did not make the race, I believe, for the 500. But then we did qualify for some races. I remember running Rockingham and. Uh, some races and um, then um, let's see we were it, it was a struggle though I'm not, I mean the, the goal the, the uh, you know the accomplishment was qualifying right then and then I was just trying to get laughs in when we did make the race but but it was a, it was tough man it was a struggle and uh, I was pretty beat down and then we were supposed to go to Martinsville I think and we didn't even have a short track car Mike and I called my dad I said yeah, this is crazy. We don't even have a proper short track car. I don't, I've never seen Martinsville. I, you know, come on, this is just bad. I'm embarrassed enough. Let's not, I don't want to go. And, uh, he's like, all right, let me make some calls. So he called Harris and explained that we didn't quite have the right car for that track. So they were cool with it that we didn't go. And so, uh, so I went there that weekend and then I got a, a call uh, from Ray Evernham actually. And he said, Hey, I, I need to put some, some miles on, on an engine at Kentucky. Can you come do it? I said, absolutely. And I went out and, um, I was so nervous, you know, and I, but I couldn't believe all the telemetry and technology and these test cars that these guys have. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. And 
I felt like they had more guys at this toss than I had on our whole race team. <laughs> I was just like, this is this is amazing. And um, I, I went out and did the first run, you know, and I, I came in. I was just like, oh, gosh, I hope I hope I didn't suck. I hope I was decent. <laughs> and, uh, I kind of see them kind of snickering, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I wasn't very good, you know. And, but a guy, uh, he sticks his, his head in the window. He's like, man, we've been running here for three days. You just you just ran quicker than anybody that's been here. I was like, oh, my oh, gosh. Well, outstanding. Cool. So we had a great test. We put 500 miles on this engine, and I was just over the moon. And, and uh, Ray gave me, gave me a call and says, will you come to my office? And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. And, uh, and I, I remember Ray sat me down, and he just said, well, I can't hire you. And I said, okay. He said, but I don't think you're the whole problem over there, so I'm going to try to help you. I was like, all right. So anyway, long story short, he started to, you know, give me access to some of his guys. So if we were really struggling, I'd go over and they kind of helped me with the setup a little bit. And, and we made a lot more races. So that was really cool of him to do. I'll always be thankful. And I ended up doing test driving for, for him for like three years after that. So that was a – and the coolest thing he did for me. The last race of the year at Homestead, we were. Um, he he called me. He said, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys a car. I don't want." He said, "We're gonna set it up. I don't want y'all to touch it, and you just drive it." And I think I qualified twelfth at Homestead. I was gonna say you qualified well. Of, uh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was so cool because all his guys came out and they were all cheering and. Uh, yeah, beat, beat, beat both of the primary cars at that time. So that was really awesome for Ray to do that. And um, it was, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't parlay it into anything after that. That was pretty much the, the end of, you know, we tried to just run some cup races the next year. But and then it was just jumping in little things here and there. But um, that was really cool of Ray to do that. Yeah, at that moment, did, did it change your feelings? I mean, I, the, listening to you talk, and knowing you a little bit, you were you were beat up pretty good, as far as probably mentally, you know, of getting qualified. That was when it was really hard to qualify. There was a lot, meaning there was a lot of cars, Jeff. You know, you've been right. around the sport Absolutely. for a long time, and so it was tough to qualify. And you're trying to do things on a what's considered a shoestring budget. You, you go test, and you find out you're actually a pretty good race car driver, yeah. right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean. I was that day, and you think about, you know, I kept thinking, well, you know, okay, maybe I can, but I, but you're right, I was beat up, Mike, and I, my confidence was really low, and it just was, you know, I, I, I never was great at going out and selling myself, and, and you kind of had that, you know, you know how it was tough back then, and, and I, I don't know, just. I don't know. I, yeah, I wasn't having it. I was pretty low just with, with the feeling of racing at that time, just because it had been such a tough year, yeah. but, um, but, you but know, just, yeah. Did the testing though, and that stuff you did for Everham and then that good run at Homestead, I mean, did that make you look in the mirror or just look at yourself and go, huh, I feel better. I, I, I know, can do this. I, I can do this. It's just whether the stars are aligned. You know, I, I remember the opportunity I had with Penske Racing. I replaced Jeremy Mayfield for 12 races. And it was like all of a sudden I, I, that, yeah. I have a whole new lease on life. I mean, that, that, that yeah. eight races saved my career that I could race longer because, you know, people kind of wrote me off and, you know, you weren't right. doing all that great or whatever. And you hopped in a good car and it was That's like, a, it, wow. 
this stuff's actually fairly easy <laughs> because you're used to driving so hard to try to make up right. that when you slow down, you went faster. <laughs> I tell you, you know, Mike, we're race car drivers. The one thing we're, we're never short on our excuses, right? right. We, we always have, you know, I could certainly make excuses of why, you know, why I didn't do better. And I, but, but always in the back of my mind says, okay, am I, you know, I know I'm still very new to this and, and am I just not doing what these other guys are doing? And I mean, I remember racing Nazareth one time and, uh, and junior was lapping me and he's way, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to not crash his you know, I'm, I'm counter steering through, you know, through turn two or Nazareth, but he's waving to me with one hand out the, out the window <laughs> for letting him by. And I was like, okay, well, you know, this is, you know, something's not right here. Right. But um, it, it's just, yeah, it, it's just tough. I mean, everybody's trying to do what you can, but when, you, when you're already short on budget um, and you're down just a little bit of, you know, what everything if you're just missing a little bit on setup probably you're down a little bit on power because you're running used parts compared to some of the guys it just it's it's too hard at that level to to be competitive as it is and you just short stick yourself a little bit it's tough so at the as you progress through that that last race at homestead you got a car for abraham the following year progresses what you guys proceed on you only run a few races what happens at that point yeah harris harris had pulled back so we really didn't have any sponsorship and we just, I was trying to find, put some money together to keep a deal going. So I was still living in North Carolina and just trying to work on sponsors and getting some here and there went and ran the Daytona 500, which was great. was able to be in the 500 and, um, then, um, yeah, just really couldn't put a lot together. Ran the Texas race, I think, but, uh, it was just kind of winding down and, and that's when, uh, we started to shut it down. But I, that's when my dad did say, you know, my lifelong dream of getting to go to Indianapolis and be in the 500. And he, uh, he called me, he said, do you want to try it? I was like, hell yeah, I want to do it. So, mm. so that was cool to go, uh, do the Indy 500 and to, yeah, but, but take, my career take was a, starting to Take a few minutes and tell me about going to do the Indy 500. I just, you know, as a race car driver, man. Jeff, it, it, I think we all have a passion that you want to go run everybody's big race. Right. I I would have given anything uh, in my career to be able to run, or at least attempt to go run the Indy 500. Never run an open-wheel car other than a midget once in my life. But, Larry, t- tell me about when you guys decided that, okay, I'm going to go run the Indy 500. T- tell me how your brain, did it switch switch modes? Did it? different outlook what what took place it was for me just because i think it was so special it was almost i I had to try to make sure i was not you know just being such a fan of it. i really just wanted to experience the whole thing just because it had been such a big part of my life my mom told me i think i didn't go that year i was born so 77 i didn't go as as a baby but i've been to every indy 500 since so pretty pretty much everyone even when uh when i ran the coke 600 uh, i flew uh flew to indy in the morning and watched aj Foyt the the fifth the fourth start the race and uh and then flew back and did it so i halfway did the double just not driving so that was <laughs> you that know, was great so you know that double they're, they're a good story and you probably know it i mean i think you you know her or whatever there was a uh the year i got to drive a few races for aj aj Foyt racing I ran into a lady that was sponsoring a car. Her name is Beth Ann Morgenthal. 
And I didn't realize she was a huge A.J. Foyt fan, like over-the-wall A.J. Foyt fan. Right. And uh, I introduced the two of them at Dover. And I think, I'm assuming Larry had to know her, meet her, drive for her maybe at one time. But I remember her coming back, you know, the following year. She says, Tony and I did the greatest thing. We did the double today. <laughs> and I says, what do you mean the double? She says, we went and watched, we went and watched AJ's team at Indianapolis, and we're here tonight. She was at Charlotte. Yeah, then, you know? absolutely. I was like, wow, that was a big that's a big day. Yeah, oh, that's a thought, long day. Yeah. I don't care if you're driving or not. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just when you said double, that made me think of that. <laughs> no, and, and Beth Ann and Tony are, were a big part of that. I, I did get to meet them, and we got to be friends. And we talked about uh, me possibly getting in their cup car. Um, but they were on my car my rookie year at Indy. And they, they oh, helped great. me. I they, didn't know uh, that. That's, that's exciting. Yeah, we, we had them on the car. Uh, my rookie year and they actually bought me um, one of the best cars I ever had at Daytona was was an ARCA car and they bought me an engine for that and we had a car to win the race we got a darn penalty under a red flag because uh, someone came over the wall without a helmet on but um, mm. or we, we had a good shot to win that race but um, they, they're great people and just yeah huge race fans and, and NASCAR supporters but yeah um I'm sorry, I interrupted asking you how the experience of Indianapolis right, was. Well, here's a question for you. Larry, tell me, I mean, you know, you're fresh out of Bush and Cup, and you're, you're driving stock cars. Now you're going back to an open-wheel car. You're going to race the Indy 500. What are the differences in the way that car drives or what you do as a driver to make it handle? You know what I mean? Sure. Well, it is a very different discipline. I mean, the biggest thing is you've got a, a front-engine car versus a rear-engine car. Right. And then plus, uh, well, nowadays, uh, the stock cars have a lot more ground effects than they did back then. So when I ran the Brickyard 400 versus Indy 500, back then, the stock car felt like it was almost kind of sliding through the corner. You had a pretty heavy car there uh, that you're just kind of muscling through the corners, whereas the Indy car is so stuck uh, with all the downforce. It, it, it was super different. But I can tell you, man, uh, Driving a, a car at over 220 miles an hour inches off the ground is the coolest experience. Uh, those cars are just special and fun to drive. Um, yeah, I was and super impressed at like what Kurt Busch did when he came over. Jimmy Johnson was great on the ovals in an Indy car and showed that, that coming that way. Uh, and it'll be cool to see what Kyle Larson does in the future. But driving an Indy car at those speeds. Uh, pretty about as cool as it gets so as you just asked answered jeff's question there but as you're going to to qualify for that first indianapolis 500 what was that moment leading up to when they motioned you out to qualifying it's the old try not to suck thing yeah well what's (laughs) and what was the the there was that same gentleman around that had been there forever what like tom carnegie or car so there was some famous guy that and you know would he the way he would be announce your name was real like the pa announcer yeah the pa announcer he was real stoetic you know it was like and on the racetrack now is larry Larry (laughs) Floyd. no and so and, and yes and and where Carnegie had gotten me was uh, my first ever open wheel race at, at Disney World Speedway when we were going there was in an F2000, that Oval Series. And I was doing fine. I was pretty focused. And then I heard him announce my name. I was sitting in the car and my heart started. I was like, oh, man, I'm <laughs> Carnegie. Just adapts my day. And uh, yeah, so so he got me. But no, Indy, I had it all tuned out. And um, yeah, that, that play, you know, 
qualifying, you have to be flat. You know, you don't, you can't lift there. Um, we had, we were a little down on power with the Toyotas at that time. That's, uh, I think the Hondas were the engine to have. So I was pretty easy, uh, for me to qualify flat footed. It was everything we had. So, um, it was just, you just want to hit your, you know, hit your marks, hit your turn ins. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome though. And qualifying that and dad, dad was happy. It, it was cool. It, it was, it was really fun. Can't imagine. I cannot imagine going 225 miles an hour in a race car. I just can't. So there you go. My hat's off to you, Larry. Way to go. Yeah. All right. Let's take a time out here. We come back. We talk a little bit about A.J. Foyt Enterprises and what's happening this year. Sounds bring good. Us, bring us up to the, the here and now. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Our guest today, Larry Foyt, joins us from A.J. Foyt Enterprises. This will be the final segment, so let's talk about what's happening at A.J. Foyt Enterprises. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Larry, we went from you as the race car driver to now the businessman. Uh, you know, you went, went to college, got whatever forms of education there, and I'm sure that's working well. So tell us what being the, uh, the president running the show at AJ Foyt Racing is all about and what is AJ Foyt Racing doing right now? Well, still, you know, heavily involved in IndyCar and and it's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you real quick on how I got there quickly because uh like you say, I mean, I was still even after that first Indy 500 and I still uh still was trying to get something going even in trucks or something. I was living in Charlotte and uh, in my second Indy 500, I actually got got hurt pretty good. I fractured two vertebrae in a crash in turn one, and um, that's when my, you know I was out for uh, about uh, you know half a year till I could drive again. And and my dad said, you know, look, I'm getting older, son. Why don't you think about moving uh, moving home and and running the running the team, you know, running the business? And I was like, well. It, Yes, I always thought someday I would like to do that. It's a lot of, but I, I just don't feel like I've, I haven't done what I want to do, and I still want to be behind the wheel. And he said, well, "Why don't you come to the Michigan? Look, come to Michigan. We're racing there next week. Let's talk about it." I said, "All right, sounds good." So I go to the Michigan race, and they said, "There's a press conference. AJ wants you in there." I said, "Okay." Well, I walk in there, and uh, AJ announces me as the new team president. Of <laughs> Seriously, just like that. <laughs> I said, you got me good on that one. Yeah, good one, Dad. You got me. I guess I'm, I, I guess I'm moving home. So that's when, uh, when I moved home. And I knew, I knew that it was not going to be easy. I mean, my dad and I, we always got along great. Don't get me wrong. But it, it was certainly difficult to drive for him. And, and when you weren't having success, he wanted more out of you and maybe I felt like I wanted more out of the team. So, you know, there was little arguments there, but, um, coming to the IndyCar side, I said, dad, you know, you got to let me, you know, technology's changing. We've got to keep, you know, if we're going to be, we got to be competitive. And he was, uh, it's amazing. If you look back, Mike, cause think of how many guys could have gone from a front engine roadster to a ground effects car, rear engine car at India and, and one in that, you know, so, it's amazing as people say, well, AJ's probably so set in his ways. Yes, he is very set in his ways, but he also has changed probably more with the times than anyone from that era ever could have. 
Um, and sure, he doesn't like computers. Everybody's seen him throw the throw the computer on TV when the car ran out of fuel and things like that. But, uh, he still uh, it, he still a, makes some really good highlight reels when you go back and pull them up. <laughs> he does. But yeah. it's amazing how much he changed. And, and he was his own, you know, he was his own engineer. Even when I was driving, he was engineering the, the car. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty amazing. But he's been he's been awesome. And I and I realized, hey, I, as long as I can go out and raise the money and make sure that we have the funding to do what we need to do, he'll let us do what we want to do. And so, you know, we're running two cars in the IndyCar series. It's, it's been an up and down. When I first got there, it seemed like we were able to turn things around pretty quickly. We got the win in 2013 with the Kumasato, and that was awesome, leading the points going into Indy. Uh, and then we've got been on a bit of a slide lately and then um, had a great partner with ABC Supply. They were our primary sponsor for, what, 16, 15, 16 years. So it was one of the longest going. But, um, you know, it's been struggling for funding here the last couple of years a little bit, working on it. We still have some great partners, but just trying to trying to get some consistency in. And uh, got an exciting young driver this year with Santino Ferrucci. He runs great at Indianapolis, which is important to us. He's never finished outside the top ten. Uh, got a young rookie with Benjamin Peterson. So that's what we're still we're still trying to go at it. It's tough because it's like like everybody the cost of everything's going up. Let's you know it's whether it's racing or just buying your groceries. It's just everything's expensive right now, and so we're just working like working at it and uh, trying to get back competitive and get it's AJ something to smile about again. So the first race of the season is the Indy 500. Is that correct? No, no, no. So you know we uh, we have St. Petersburg, Florida. We do three or four races before we get to Indianapolis. So okay. unlike, uh, yeah, we we've got Damn, a, a big oval wrong. with Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, with NASCAR starting with Daytona, we we don't get to Indy till about round four or five, I think it is. So, um, but that, that's kind of good. You get to get into a little bit of a groove. And okay, there you go. There um, it is. March 5th, St. Petersburg, yeah. Florida. There you go. Oh, March 5th? Heck, we're talking a week or two away. Two weeks away, right? Yeah, it's not yeah, this weekend, getting, but next. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, outstanding. Yeah. Hey, tell me who that Santino Ferrucci, Ferrucci is. I uh, It's kind of weird. I thought he was like some Italian superstar, and then I realized the kid, I thought I read he was born in Boston or somewhere on the East Coast, and he, he seems to be fast in everything he gets in. Yeah, man, he just—he's—he's he's really a racer. He went and ran the Chili Bowl. He'll—he'll he'll drive anything with wheels. He did some NASCAR stuff. He's—he's uh, from Connecticut, actually, and um, really good open wheel driver. Went over and did uh, did some racing in Europe, but uh, came back to the states and got in an Indy car and just really took to it. It was really impressive as a rookie, and so yeah, we're we're really excited to have him on board. Great. And we think I think he's going to do some great things for us. Who, who's your other driver? Where'd he come from? Benjamin Peterson. So he came up through the ladder series over in IndyCar. He's actually a, a Danish American driver and um, a really good kid, young, but uh, won an Indy Lights race last year at Portland. We kind of took him in as part of our driver development program, and he kind of hung out with us all year. We got to know him, and so stepping him up to IndyCar. So St. Pete will be his first race. But we're excited to uh, see what he can do with us as well. He's one of those. Uh, there's so many great young up and coming kids, and um, he's uh, he's one of them. So we'll see what happens. And what what age is he? Oh, oh what is? Uh, Don't have to Benjamin, be exact. I, 
<laughs> yeah, well, no, no, these these guys are in their young twenties. So okay. Benjamin's twenty. Santino's 23, I think. We make a a joke on this show now and then is that if you don't have a career in place by age 12, you're probably not going to make it. You're not going to (laughs) be. If you're not in somebody's development program by the time you're 12, yeah. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. No. (laughs) Everyone starts so young now. They they definitely do. Without a doubt. So what what type of of cars are you racing this year? What kind of engines are in the IndyCar? Yeah. yeah, so so in IndyCar we all have the same chassis. Uh, it's a Delara chassis, which now is involved in NASCAR as well. But we've been with Delara for many many years, um, even when I was driving. So uh, there are two engine manufacturers currently in IndyCar. So there's Honda and Chevrolet, and we are with Chevrolet. Outstanding. So sponsorship lined up for the year, not lined up. Got a little bit to start. Where are you at on that? We've got, we're good to start. Uh, Sexton Properties, Marlene Sexton has been a, a longtime friend and just amazing partner of ours. So both cars will have Sexton Properties on to start the year, working on some stuff uh, for After Indy that, uh, to kind of really complete it and get the budget going for, for where we want to be. There's so much, it's amazing, Mike, it's crazy. I mean, I think we saw a little bit of it in NASCAR. I'm sure they're doing it way more now, but the little stuff we do to try to get the speed out of these cars because people think, Oh, everyone's got the same chassis. Uh, and, and, and the idea is to do that to save money. Right. But what you end up doing is you're just spending that money in these little minute micro places, uh, whether it's different, you know, what you're doing in the gearbox and what you're doing, uh, with different polishes and, and things. And it's just insane. You know, we're, we're racers. We're going to spend the money one way or another. Uh, and it's just crazy when you have this kind of car that everyone else has, how how minute and important the details become. Because you don't have that 20 horsepower differential from one car to another. Everybody's got the same thing. So uh, it, it's very interesting. And, and we, we are looking for hundreds of seconds in, in the things we do. And we're, we're just the average race fan can't even fathom that. And, and it's hard for me at times to fathom it. Where, where do you find that power at, Larry? What kind of, I, mean, I heard you say finishes and gearbox. Is it just massaging on all that, making it nicer, cleaner, smoother? Uh, is that, that all the way down to every detail? Or is it, I mean, there's nothing yep. that's not addressed is what you're saying. No, every, every detail, getting every bit of rolling resistance out of the drivetrain that we can. Um, so that's where all that comes in. Making sure your body fit is absolutely perfect. Your seams are perfect. It's yeah, man. Every little detail is, is just so important. And all the teams, I mean, we all work on it. We don't have the budget to go do these big wind tunnel programs. So we kind of have to learn from whether it's uh, hiring someone who's maybe been in a wind tunnel recently to help us out and, and that's where, you know, it's a people game, just like every other racing, having the best people. And we do have some really good groups. We upgrade our engineering. And like you said, it is kind of tough that we spend so much money for us. One open development area is the dampers or the shock absorbers. We spend a crazy amount of money in those shocks because we run what's called inertia damping. So we actually use inerters to help absorb some of the forces and use it where we want. Um, and it's just, uh, it's a, a very deep science of getting these dampers with your suspension and spring package to work exactly how you want it. 
That's unique you say that. I got a question for you that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, a little bit about what we're talking about. But I was reading an article about the Mercedes F1 team the other day, and it said that they were not going to paint their cars this year because they're trying to get it. Jeff, it was a micro amount of weight off the car. Like what, paint? Whatever the, it takes <laughs> to paint or wrap a car. They were not going to do that this year because they're trying to catch up with the Red Bull cars, and that little bit was, you know, they do everything Slowing in kilos or something. No they, kidding. Is is your programs over there, Larry? Are they are they that minute now or not? Yes, we we do not paint our cars. Okay. So we we wrap. We use what's called. Uh, they call it an aero paint, but it's aero. It's a material that is uh, that we we wrap the car with, and yeah, it saves us uh, a couple pounds, and it's so it's so important. Uh, it really is. It, it, no, we're definitely that minute. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking at the Benjamin Peterson number eighty eight Sexton Properties car right now. It's a good looking car. Yeah. That's uh, not, so. Yeah, we actually. Uh, <laughs> Jeff pulls these things up, and he. Uh, it looks good, Larry. That car looks like a hot rod. It looks like it's an old been painted to me. Yeah, it looks like an old <laughs> AJ Foyt uh, fourteen car. Honestly, car. I don't see Santino's well, yeah, car uh, here though. Um, you should be able to find it. it. It's the Santino car has a bit of the old Copenhagen scheme look, just because of the black and orange. AJ still likes those a lot, as known. But yeah, with with Benjamin's car, he had an, an orange car last year, and. We said, man, let's let we got to pull the poppy red out and get the Floyd orange out there again. And so, so we did. So I hope the fans like it. It should be really cool. Well, that's beautiful, Larry. All the racing we've been talking about, and that's what AJ Foyt Racing's all about, has been for years. But uh, last year, and I, only because I have a case of it or bought a case of it, tell us about AJ Foyt or not AJ about Foyt Winery. Yeah. That's something. That's a passion business. of yours, right? <laughs> Yeah, so actually that came about. That was uh AJ the fourth and I when we both we both kind of quit racing at the same time. And we were like, uh, oh, we always wanted to do something together and or have some kind of business venture together. We're like, what's something we both like? And, and we both all, always like wine. We're like, well, let's let's give it a go. And, and we made uh fifty cases of wine and sold a lot of it out of the trunk at the speedway i probably shouldn't be saying that but uh that's how we kind of got started made enough money to make about 150 cases and at that time i said well this is this is going to be real uh so uh, i'd had a friend that uh, had helped me out in north carolina and was, uh, trying to find sponsorship i said how do you feel about moving to sonoma and uh helping me grow this wine business so so he did and um yeah, it was funny. So I called Angel. I'm like, what are we going to name this, you know, wine company? We've, we've got some cool marks like Coyote or whatever. And maybe that. It's like, man, we've got a pretty good brand with Foyt. I would hate to, you know, lose that opportunity. I said, well, let me call AJ. So I called him. I said, Dad, um, Anthony and I are going to start this wine company. And we kind of want to call it Foyt. We think that's the best thing that we could call it. You know, what do you think? And he was quiet for a second. And he said, well, I'll do it. I'll let you do it under one condition. I said, yeah, what's that? He said, it better taste better than Andretti's. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> Jeff, I got to tell you the story. You're a golfer, and uh, Larry, I know where I'm going with this almost immediately. So I, uh, about the last two out of three, two out of four years, I went to Houston, Texas in October. 
to play golf for a, a buddy of mine by the name of Chris Cagle, sang country music. Yeah, right. Chris says, uh, hey, how about coming down where we do this charity uh, and we we raise money to take toys to the Houston Children's Hospital. Yep, no problem. I roll in down there, and we're it's just this beautiful golf course. I mean, this place is just yeah. crazy cool. And I'm riding along with a guy, don't realize, and he goes said something about we're talking about houses. And he says, oh, Larry Foyt lives over there. <laughs> I says, like, Larry Foyt, Larry Foyt? Like, A.J. Foyt? And he goes, Yeah. And then we turn, we turn the next corner. They're developing new homes in this community. Talk about their other business interests. Right. And here's all these black dumpsters, roll-off dumpsters. And here it says, A.J. Foyt on the side of all the dumpsters. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. How does this come up? We're playing, a little bit of everything going on. Playing golf there. in their community they live in. And uh, A.J.'s figured out how to make money in the dumpster business, it looks like. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, Larry, I'll tell you what. Well, he was... Go ahead. No, you say you know AJ was always an entrepreneur. You know he had the car dealerships and still in the horse racing business. Been in the horse racing business forever. And yeah, he he you know AJ he likes to make money any way he can. So he's pretty good at it too. <laughs> yeah, that'd be another day, another story. Because I tell you what, that a lot of people don't realize that about race car drivers and team owners. There a lot of there are a lot of team owners that got into racing because they had money, but. Uh, when you can take it and turn it into something. So congratulations on the winery. I hope that's going well for you. I uh, I, I actually got an email the other day. There's a new release of something out. So, uh, Well, maybe when we're we done are. with the it's show, you can share your address and Larry can send you some product. Yeah. Well, his, his buddy <laughs> sent me some, but he sent a bill with it. It was a problem. <laughs> So, guys, obviously, I'm not. Uh, obviously, I'm not that bright. I mean, you know, if you think about businesses to make money, I think race cars and wine probably aren't the two you really want to be going after. Yeah. But it's going well, and yeah, we're going to have a cool museum. I, I need to get a Mike Wallace helmet down there too, buddy. Um, that would look really good in the museum. Love to do it, Larry. Thank you so much for taking your time, Jeff, and I. I believe have enjoyed the conversation. And Jeff, what do you say about the world? What do you... the whole world is listening, Larry? That's one one thing. When you're a guest on this show, everybody's going to hear it because the whole world is listening. <laughs> and the whole world can join you on FoytRacing.com if they want to learn more about A.J. Foyt Enterprises. Thank you once again for your time today. It's been fun. Thank you. Well, thank you, guys. And go A.J. Foyt Racing and go Horn Frogs. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you get away with that one. I won't even say how about them dogs. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.